thought they were going to start singing Oh Say Can You See. No. No. <laughs> How are you guys? We're good. I am at least. I don't know about James. James? I'm doing are you well. Good? Yeah. Are you ready to, to get into this podcast? I am. Well, listeners, welcome to the 13th Floor Podcast, starring me, Cece. Uh, me, Alex. <laughs> and me, James. <laughs> And <laughs> what a weird, what a weird way to introduce ourselves. Me. <laughs> <laughs> well, next time, next time I'll say starring Alex, and you can say doesn't matter. I feel like we need music, kind of like Friends. Like we introduce ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. listeners, welcome to the Thirteenth Floor Podcast, where we talk about things that are weird and strange and spooky and crazy and just hard to believe, but but maybe real, maybe not, because some of them are just conspiracies. But, yeah, here we are. <laughs> Intros is not our specialty, but the information that we're about to share is. <laughs> so, are you guys, how are you guys doing? It's been a while since we recorded. Have any exciting life events taken place? Hmm. What about you, James? I got, I got one, but I'm going to save it because it's going to go into my, my icebreaker. Uh, icebreaker. Uh, uh, nothing too much that I can talk about. Uh, I mean, well, that's oh, oh no, I meant, I meant, okay. I meant legally. <laughs> uh, oh, that sounded worse. Uh, I meant because of an NDA. There we go. Yeah, uh, I think huh. I have an idea, but yeah, okay, we won't discuss here because yeah. you know, legally. Um, <laughs> I not much has been up with me, but I launched a new podcast. Yeah. Oh, with, yeah, with my beautiful sister in law, Kayla. It's called Happy Regardless. Keep an eye out for it. We talk about happiness. It's kind of like it's like it's like the uh, the alter ego of the thirteenth floor. Thirteenth floor is creepy, and then Happy Regardless is like sunshine and rainbows. Oh, interesting! You've got like a bipolar taste in podcasts. Yes, that's or I guess me. podcast creation. That's how I am. Yeah, good for you. This is who I am. It's yeah, good. It is. I like it. Yeah, and Alex it's not just because it. I have to live with this person. Yeah, James liked like it. it. I liked it. Yeah, quite a bit. My dog Louise liked it. So rave reviews across the board. Yeah, I've got at least two five star reviews. <laughs> um, so you should give it a listen. So we've got James's NDA, my new podcast. Alex, what's your story? Well, I saw Hobbs and Shaw, but that has nothing to do with my story. Yeah, I that's like Hobbs and Shaw, everybody. Um, anyway, <laughs> random. Okay. So my story today. By the dumpster by my work. Yes, I'm employed, everybody. Hey, everybody yay. Yay. Alex finally got a job. Yes. <laughs> it wasn't that <laughs> way you said that. Oh, man. <laughs> you, you made it sound like I was unemployed for yeah. several oh, months. Oh, man. It was, just uh, like, it was just like three weeks. It wasn't, it wasn't that short. I wish it wasn't. But <laughs> go on. Well, <laughs> anyway, tell me so, about what was found so by the dumpster go, at your new job. All right. So over by the, the at my new job. I was taking out some trash, <laughs> and I noticed something. So when it I got sounds back like in, a superhero story. I, I was like, I was like you know, a radioactive possum. Sorry, sorry. I saw it. I, I didn't take much of a look at it, you know. So someone else in the office goes goes out to the dumpster and runs something out, and then comes back in, and she and she's like, "There's this really weird trash can. It's duct taped shut." Uh, I was like, okay. Yeah. She goes, and it looks brand new. I was like. Oh, she's like, should I call the cops? Just, you know, just a case. Like, it's probably, it might be nothing. But, you know, maybe I was like, 
oh, yeah, I guess why not? And then, you know, she walked off. I was like, I don't know if she ever called. I, I didn't know at the moment if she was actually going to call or not. And later on, I walked by. She was like, hey, so the police came. I was like, oh, you called them, huh? And yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I, they went to go open it, so I walked over and watched. Goodness. <laughs> she just wanted to know it was inside. Yeah, yeah, yeah so they cut it open. They cut it open. And then there's this black trash bag inside. And they cut that open. Right. James, James, take a guess as to what you think it was. Um, it's either really good or really bad. It's either like 30 live puppies or a body. Oh. Wait, wait, James. 30 live puppies. Live. Oh, okay, live. Yeah, live. <laughs> That's better. Yeah, I didn't know. I, I saw where CC I'm not was rejoicing going. at the prospect of 30 dead puppies, no. <laughs> yeah, I was. Well, I mean, even being put in a trash can, right? And duct tape shut. Well, when I that's say good, I mean because they would be, you know, rescued. But yeah, they were found. Yeah, they were found. Okay. But anyway, no, it was a trash bag full of nothing but feminine hygiene products that had been used. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> James, what would you do if you came upon that? Um. I would just have nightmares. And what she well, told me was like, yeah. well, you know what? They didn't go any deeper than the top layer, so who knows what was actually in there. Yeah, I, was, I, was well, like, hey, I don't think they should have gone deeper. No. Well, <laughs> this a, is the thing that, like, ooh. why would you get a new trash can and put that in a new looking trash can and duct tape it shut? The question is, where was this? A this sorority just, house? No. <laughs> No, it was it was in like this little business area, and it was just by these two giant trash bins, like you know, like a like a big business would have. Huh. I don't understand. Yeah, I mean, this I doesn't make sense, understand. Alex. I mean, there's heavy days, and then there's this. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just don't understand why someone was like, were they just appalled at what they had done, and that they just <laughs> needed to take this? Nobody can know. Nobody you guys, can know. listen, I am done talking about feminine hygiene. <laughs> I think it's I think it's time to move on well, to our icebreaker. No, you but s- you may not be done because I want to know oh, what is God. the weirdest thing you've ever found. Oh, that's a hard one. Isn't it's it? easy for me. Uh, meth byproducts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I like how nonchalantly you say that. Yeah, well, James. again, uh, Laurel County. It's Laurel it's, County. It's, it's it's it makes more sense than finding garbage in the garbage at this point. Burned your oh, flipping so, nose so. hair off. <laughs> <laughs> so when do you? What happened when you found these meth byproducts? Uh, we actually had to call uh, like a special disposal unit because this is not something you can just let sit around. Because again, it's so corrosive. It'll. It'll actually eat uh, the, the tissue off of you if you're around it for too long. So, like, these dudes had to show up with, like, full bone, like, like the bad guys in E.T. kind of suits and, and get rid of it. You should have taken some pictures for our <laughs> podcast. It was, it was a while back. <laughs> oh, man. I, uh, well, I, the, just, just a, a, a PSA. I read an article recently. It says, if you find a plastic bottle that's just completely covered in duct tape do not touch it because mm. it's a meth lab. Uh, yeah. lab don't touch it listeners. So i'll go next okay if, yeah, you go we're next. not gonna include today's i guess no it doesn't and this one's know. not that weird it kind of actually makes sense but it's gross also so 
<laughs> back when, back back when I was like in the high school, maybe middle school, we used to play around a lot. And there, where where we were playing, they were building a lot of construction buildings, and there's always these full bottles of Mountain Dew. Oh no! Oh. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I guess these guys just didn't want to go somewhere else, so they just. There's these all these bottles of Mountain Dew everywhere on these construction sites. It's just a whole bunch of piss. Yep. Well, you know, they're truck drivers oh, yeah. who will just go while they're driving their trucks and throw it off the tide the other window. <clears throat> no, that's called efficiency. <laughs> no, that's called littering. <laughs> mm. You never found anything weird? I mean, I found a lot of weird things, but literally nothing is coming to mind right now. This is something you should have told me a long time ago so I could yeah, thought about it. I should have maybe prepped you, but, you know, that's part of the fun of this yeah. segment. Well, you know what? How about I think about it, and then we can tweet about it later on the 13th floor yeah. Twitter. I don't know if it's worth... Okay, we'll do it. Well, listen, guys. If you don't follow us on Twitter already, why don't you do it? We're 13th Floor Pod. Follow us on Instagram at 13th Floor Podcast. And be on the lookout for uh, hashtag weird garbage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be trending. It's going to be trending before you know it. Oh. All right. Well, I am thoroughly disturbed already. And what, we're not even 10 minutes into the podcast? <laughs> uh, mm. I just can't get over the hashtag weird garbage. Yeah. Like, this could really be a thing, people. It could take Let's time. make it happen. Yeah, actually, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well... Who's going first? Well, should we should we introduce our topic? I don't even think we've told people oh, what we're talking man. about. Oh man, we haven't, have we? If you're new to this podcast, if you're not new and you listened last week, you already know what we're talking about. But this week, you guys, we're talking about mysterious disappearances. Poof. Poof. <laughs> Gone. Disappeared. <laughs> Forever. Yeah. 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 These are disappearances, not people found eventually. Yeah. Because we so. had stories we were going to do, and then I was like, oh, wait. These, it turns out this person was kind of found later. Yeah. So we're we're going to talk about people who just, like, straight up disappeared in, into thin air. They vanished. They pulled a Houdini. So I guess I'm, I'm starting things off, right? Kick it off, Cece. All right, you guys. I'm going to talk about one of America's greatest unsolved mysteries. Hmm. <laughs> I am talking about the lost colony of Roanoke. Ooh. Do you guys know about nice. this? Yes. From grade school. From history class. History class. Yeah. But only only a bit, you know. Everything in it, everything when you're in school is like it's just glazed over. Nothing you don't really sink your teeth in anything. So yeah. I'm excited yeah. to learn something new. Well, I hope I can do it for you. This is one thing. <laughs> wow, Cece, your confidence is radiating. <laughs> this is one thing that kind of like disturbed me about researching this is that like on different websites it gave me different things, but I think that's because it's like you know when you're reading a history book, you get one side of the story. So all of these websites, it seems to me like they gave like one side of the story. Well, that's part of the that's part of like the trend with disappearances is no one knows, so everyone has different stories. Yeah, well, that's true. But, all right, guys, let's dive into this. The Lost Colony of Roanoke, founded by Sir Walter Raleigh. Do you guys know who he is? Yeah. Alex, stop looking at my notes. <laughs> I can't help it. I just want to read along. James, do you oh know God. who Sir Walter Raleigh is? Yes. I love your enthusiasm. Okay, you guys. James is not Sir Walter Raleigh's biggest fan. It like. Oh, man. Yeah, you sounded so annoyed. Okay, I'm not going to ask you for a brief 
a brief description of Sir Walter Raleigh. Oh, okay. That was excellent. Yeah. Wow, I was like, here we go. Down from a yeah, book report. No, no. <laughs> no, no book report. James is now burdened by his weekly task. He's, oh. he's our resident Sir Walter Raleigh expert. No, that's me this week, you guys. So Raleigh, he's basically like the money man of the uh, the colonization of America. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, he's the money man. He was Queen Elizabeth's favorite, apparently. And she gave him, and this is Queen Elizabeth the first, by the way. This isn't like, you know, the one that we have right now. Oh, this or is a lizard person. <laughs> yeah. Or, yeah, or was it? That's true. Uh, <laughs> well, Queen Elizabeth the first gave him the charter to go found this new colony in the new world. But she liked him so much that she wouldn't actually let him participate. So she was like, listen, you can send them and let them do stuff and plan stuff, but you're staying right here with me, sir. Mm. And so. He was her wench. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, she actually, she actually got really angry. He got married later without her permission, and she was like, mm-mm. Yep. You did not. That's that's uh, that's a reaction you would have when your wench got married. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is one thing about the Roanoke colony is everyone's like, oh, it's the first colony. And technically, I mean, it kind of is, but it's like the colony that disappeared that I'm going to be talking about today was kind of like mm-hmm. the second attempt at building a colony. Because mm-hmm. basically in 1585 was when this whole venture started. Uh, this first group of settlers land and start building camp on Roanoke Island. And they ended up going back to London a year later uh, for multiple reasons. They didn't have any food, you guys. <laughs> That's a good reason. Yeah. Uh, the soil in America is very different than the soil in England. So they came over and they're like, oh, we can, you know. Yeah, it grows something other than potatoes. Yeah, it grows different <laughs> things. So they didn't know really how to how to work the land and cultivate the land. And they, they did have some help from some indigenous people. So, yeah, they had some help from the uh, Croatoan. A- Alex is la- Why are you laughing? <laughs> Jesus, joke. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Okay, go. <laughs> I think we're going to have to pause for a second. No. Because Alex can't control himself. Wow. You should see him, James. <laughs> You're you just saying one word did this to It's him. kind of two words. It's kind of funny you were talking about potatoes because he's the dude who brought them to Europe. Like he's why potatoes even got introduced to uh, to the Brits in the first place. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Manteo, yeah, or Mante- Manteo? Uh, Raleigh. Oh, Raleigh. I, I, I was talking about the Croatoan Indians. Oh, sorry about that. No, that's all right. Uh, it was a callback. Right, where was I? Yeah, I lost my sorry name. about that. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're good. Uh well anyways they didn't they, they didn't have any any food really and then relationship with the the native tribes kind of soured after a little bit which I'll go into here in a minute but uh, actually yeah no no I'm I'm going to I'm going to go into it now okay mm. so you guys these these settlers in 1585 they're getting these help, help basically learning how to work the land from these native tribes and then they start running out of food. And they're like, well, what are we going to do? And then the, the Native Americans are like, listen, we're not going to help you get through the winter. This is our food. And then they they mm. have a, an unprovoked attack on the Native Americans. And they kill one of them. Mm. And after that, like, all the love was gone. Understandably so. Wait, wait, wait. Unprovoked. So one of the Indians attacked unprovoked? or No. One, one of the settlers. <laughs> well, yeah. hunger will do that too. <laughs> That's not an excuse. But they, uh, yeah, so after that, it's like they didn't have any help and things kind of became hostile. 
And then Sir Francis Drake was like sailing by and they're like, hey, take us home. So the settlers, most of them, I think all of them, maybe a couple were left behind, but they all went back to England. And that attempt at colonizing the New World came to an end. Hmm. And then in 1587, Raleigh's like, listen, let's give this another go. And so he sends another group of settlers over. And this is men, women, and children. It's everybody. It's like 100, 115 people. And they start setting up camp on Roanoke Island again, which is now Dare County in North Carolina, modern day, which I think we should go on vacation there because I want to go see this. So anyways, they're just living their lives, trying to plant crops and make food and build houses like out of wood and stuff. And I like to picture them building little shelters and turning butter and sharing stories about their their times in England. Yeah. But I don't know if they had butter. I don't uh, know. I don't. James, uh, well, who, you know. Wait, who had butter? The, the Okay, English, that's, that, that's the what settlers. I'm really sure about. Yeah, I, I imagine that they probably did. Um, that being said, the American Indians are sort of noted for being lactose intolerant. So that's what I want to make sure about because they were not a dairy mm. bunch. <laughs> So anyways, they live on Roanoke Island for some time and they're working the land and they start to run short on supplies. And when they first landed in the New World, you guys, by mistake, a lot of their food spoiled. So they're already like, Ooh. yeah, they're in uh, in a bad spot just to begin with because all of their supplies spoiled on the mm. way over. So they decide to send their fearless leader, Mayor John White, who was actually an artist, by the way. But he was elected as their their leader, and he the first during the first attempt to kind of settle this land, he came over and like drew maps and like oh, drew so pictures. He, he's, he's, he, he came back. Yeah, he was he's a got part. Experience. He's got experience. He's he's he knows the ropes <laughs> at least on Roanoke Island. So, anyways, they decide him to send him back to England for more supplies and people. So Jack, John he packs up his little knapsack. And he grabs a couple guys and he's like, "Let's sail back." And so they get on their little boat. And John leaves his family, his wife and his daughter and his granddaughter, the first English baby born in the New World. Her name was Virginia Dare, a.k.a. Dare County. Uh, but he leaves them behind. He says, adios, BRB. Let's go get some toast. <laughs> and he goes back to England. And it's a long journey. It's like, I think it's like six to ten weeks. And I don't know if that's round trip. Uh, I think it's just there. I don't think it's round trip. I think that's like just getting there. Because, yeah, I know it takes a while. It takes months to sail across the Atlantic to England. So he and this poor guy, he has the worst luck. So he gets back to England, but something bad had happened, you guys. Do you happen to know what was happening in England in 1587? Hmm. Oh, wait, was that when the revolution? No, that was King Charles, so that would have been... Uh, later you guys england and spain went to war oh the armada yes the armada so england and spain are clashing and queen elizabeth the first was like john listen i know you want to get back to your colony and all but i need your boat to fight my war so just relax go grab a cup of tea and you'll <laughs> get your ship back later so she takes his freaking boat and he can't go back home to his family and so he just has to sit there for – how long do you guys think he had to stay there? Uh, let's see. That's a long war, I, I'm guessing. Probably a few months. Maybe. I'm thinking like half a year, maybe a year. 
Three years, y'all. Dang. Three years. She took his his boat for three years. And so he gets to sail back in 1590, three Jeez. years later. And yeah, James, what would you do if you had to wait three years to go to your family on the other side of the world? I'd be pretty stressed. Of course, you know, nowadays with cell phones, uh, I think we're kind of spoiled to the fact that, I mean, good Lord, you take a long shower and you get three texts like, he's dead. <laughs> so, yeah no yeah three years that's a while yeah Ugh. that's a while before he left though and i read this on just a couple sources i think it's true though but he told everybody if you guys have to abandon the fort and go somewhere else you, you need to leave a note <laughs> so he told them to carve uh where they were going into a tree before he left and if it was in like dangerous circumstances like they're being attacked to carve a cross with it mm. so anyways he gets back to roanoke island and he's like running around trying to find people everyone's gone nobody is there but he finds the word croatoan carved into a tree i read some places that he also found the letter c-r-o carved into a post but that the kind of differed across sites so i'm not sure what is accurate mm. but anyways he found a note there that said that they had gone to the croatoan tribe Oh, okay. But he goes and tries to find them there, and they're not there either. So they're missing, you guys. This is where the mysterious disappearance part of our podcast comes in. Still there? But due to uh, bad weather and stuff, he wasn't actually able to go and try to look for them in Hmm. other places. Hmm. Yeah. So they had to, it's like they, they tried to look, and then they just had to sail back to England with nobody. Everybody's gone. So crazy. <laughs> Awkward silence. Sorry, I'm I'm trying to catch myself up in my in my notes. You know it's really weird. It just this is something that blows my mind. Uh I don't know if they're still there, but I know that when the colonists went to North Carolina, went to uh, you know, the Roanoke area, uh they were alligators. Like are there alligators in North Carolina still? Cuz the, they were when they went there. Isn't that weird? I don't know. So, like, I don't want to make that association. According to, <clears throat> according to Octonauts. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> they do travel that far north. Huh. Well, Neither. there you go. Alex just, uh, just <laughs> solved the mystery. Maybe they were eaten by alligators. There we go. No, I could have misre- misremembered this episode of Octonauts that we watched with our daughter, <laughs> but... I'm pretty sure I was shocked as well as how far north they go. <laughs> well, do you guys have any possible explanations as to what happened to the lost colonists? Because they were never found. Well, they were definitely abducted by aliens. Abducted by aliens, <laughs> as Alex's guess. James, I'm sure that you have lots of different theories, so yeah. I'm not even going to ask you because you'll just run through like I 12 mean, of them. The indigenous <laughs> people could have taken them away. Yeah, I, mean, I, mean, that's what, one of them. I, I, I think that's the, it. I think that they actually probably uh, just got sort of, I mean, because it wasn't a huge colony. I think they just sort of got absorbed by the Croatoans. It's a possibility. A website called History Extra offered up several possible explanations as to what may have happened to the uh, first colonists. So, a war with the natives. And James, I know you said they could have possibly been absorbed, which is totally possible. They also could have been, you know, killed. Yeah, yeah. killed. Uh, skirmishes between the natives and themselves, especially since. Things were not like relationships. Other with, with the Croatoans, it was okay, but with other tribes in the area, who were you know, can you imagine? Like, imagine how terrifying it must have been 
for American Indians. Like all of a sudden there are these people here that are just like, it's like, who are these people? Oh yeah. yeah. That would be terrifying. Yeah. So yeah, they could have, they could have been at war. And apparently I read on one site that at one point uh, a settler who went crabbing was found dead with a body full of arrows. Mm. So mm. that's just, uh, I'm sure that's just one, one case. So that's a possibility. It, I, they either could have been absorbed into the Croatoan tribe or they could have been maybe possibly taken out by the Roanoke tribe. Another possibility, famine, you guys. As I said earlier, they uh, they didn't know how to really work the, the soil in America. So there's a good possibility that they just died of starvation. Yeah, that's what I always thought may have happened. But if they did die of starvation... There would be bodies. There would be bodies. There would be graves. No. Uh, I think, I mean, surely some of them probably starved just because winters yeah. in North Carolina, especially where they are, they are kind of rough. So, you know, after a while, you get tired, you can't eat, and you die. But that, okay, this is the thing. When I was looking up famine... I kind of went down a rabbit hole and I started looking up different colonial delicacies because oh, no. I was like, what yeah. did they eat while they were there? And I know that they, um, <laughs> that they, you know, they hunted a lot and had help from sure. the Croatoans. So yeah, I found a list on Ranker that listed some colonial delicacies. And some of these, most of these are after the times of the first settlement. But you guys want to hear what some of the people, what was some of the favorite foods? Ooh. Colonial times? Yeah. Okay. Roasted beaver tail. Nice. Ooh. Nice. Calf's foot jelly. Ew. Yeah. Basically, Ew. they'd take a calf's foot and they'd boil it and it would come up with this jelly. Yeah. And they would eat <laughs> the, the jelly. Precursor to gummy bears. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, um, apparently it was good for you when you were sick. So, yeah, I'm, I'm sure it was. It probably pre- just like bubonic plague. It was great to just excise some wounds on yourself. Well, I think it's probably like you're not. You got a bit of a belly ache. Let's give them some calf's foot jelly. You eat the calf's foot jelly, and they throw up whatever you had, and you're like, oh, I feel better. You guys, do you guys like eating lobster? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, lobster I back then lobster. was it was considered a food for the poor. Yeah. You gave it to the, the people. Some people are foolish. And they actually used it as bait for the next delicacy that I'm going to tell you about. Eel pie. That sounds pretty good. i got to be honest. I love eel. They would catch eels mm-hmm. and cook them into pies. And I told one of my coworkers today, I told Adam, I was like, I'm going to make you an <laughs> eel pie. And then we tried to find some eel for sale online. Yeah. It's kind of expensive, so I'm probably not going to do that. Mm. But you can find a recipe. Uh, Ranker had a link to a recipe from the 17th century for Cece eel pie. Cece won't make fish, but she wants to make an eel pie. Listen. <laughs> Listen. I think it'd be fun to live like the colonials. Okay, and then my personal favorite. That's the last one I'll talk about. By the way, by the way, can you imagine... We should start a craze, colonial diet, where all you can do is eat food from the colonial times. You guys got to check that dude out then. Uh, it's like really popular. What's that fellow's name? He like what is just, it? He just makes like 18th century food. That's literally what he does. Oh, you need to tell me about him because yeah, I want to look yeah, him up. Yeah, I'm looking him up right now because I'm, I'm actually subscribed to him. I'm not even kidding. Uh, he is... A, oh, see, that was always my dream to learn how to make their food and stuff. Townsend and, see what, and son. How they lived. Townsend and Son. Townsend yeah. and Son. And actually, I, I guess he changed the name. Now it's just Townsend's. And yeah, he, he's this little man. He wears the clothes and makes the food. Okay. Yeah. Mm. So 
I'm going to look him up later. My last favorite delicacy. This is one that I'm like, ugh. Chocolate mixed with whale vomit. Oh, man. Oh, what's that called? Um, that, that's just, amber grease. It's yeah. called amber grease. Remember that Bob's Burgers episode about yeah. amber grease? Amber <laughs> grease. Was it? I think there might have been. It sounded, you know, I was looking at it. I was like, this yeah, sounds familiar. Yeah, there's a Bob's Burgers episode. If, I, if, if there was, I wouldn't have, I had no yeah. idea what it was. Well, it is, it is. It, and there, I read some places that it was whale vomit, and then I read some places that it was whale. It's okay. But, whales are different from us. Yeah, yeah here we go, Whales James. have a, a special mucus lining, sperm whales in particular, because they eat like flipping big squids and stuff, and they got to swallow those beaks whole. So they have this like really thick stuff that they yep. make in their intestines. And when it gets to be too thick, they just sort of cough it up. And that's what it is. It's called amber grease, and it's still very well known like it's still used in high-end cooking and perfume making so it's it's still out there if you find it you got a pretty pretty big chunk of change on your on yeah. your hands because i read that in 2016 a chunk of it and it looked like it was like the size of a football maybe mm. a little bit bigger but it was estimated to be worth seventy thousand dollars oh man i want to get me a sperm whale for a pet now <laughs> just be Today I gold up that there is a vomit industry. Yep, the vomit <laughs> industry. Okay, so enough about food. The next possibility for what happened to the settlers is disease. Mm. Yeah. And this probably, I mean, this probably happened uh, to a lot of them. But it's highly likely that the settlers got sick uh, from whatever things. Well, even intermingling with uh, the indigenous people, they would probably pick up things from them just like yeah. they pick up things you know, from them. That's something that's always confused me is how one-sided the whole Colombian exchange was. Like there really wasn't a lot of diseases that they carried. Like we came over and we were like, well, oh man, awesome. Huh. Potatoes, tomatoes, peppers, corn. This is great. Beans. And then they were like, oh, smallpox. <laughs> like that's that was the exchange. Yeah. yeah. I think that I think that um because I read a lot of places that the indigenous people really didn't have many many illnesses yeah, and it was weird. the settlers who made them sick. Yeah, it is. It's very strange, but um but surely there were some some illnesses that popped up every now and then for the uh, the settlers, mm. and so you know combine those three that are just discussed: war, uh, starvation, and disease. Uh, the fourth possibility is death. They probably some of them probably died. I would say my theory has always been that they've all died. Well, just the weird thing is that there were no remains or graves found by John White mm-hmm. when he came back. So uh, the next one, they moved. You guys, they could have just picked up camp mm-hmm. and left. Especially if they went to on the little post that said Croatoan, they probably went to the island, the Croatoan tribe. But John White, he believed that the little colony had had plans to move 50 miles north of Roanoke in order to find a better place to live and kind of like, you know, cultivate the Get away the from the alligators. <laughs> yeah, get, yeah, exactly. Get away from the alligators. <laughs> so they could have moved. And then there are also theories that the settlers, as we said earlier, may have been absorbed into some of the local tribes. Right. But I also did read stories about some find some people finding some of the natives with items from the settlers, like instruments hmm. and stuff. So hmm. who knows? I mean, it's a mystery. It's why we're talking about it. Oh, and then one other thing that I saw was that it's possible that the Spanish may have attacked the settlers. Oh, I hadn't even thought of that. Oh, 
Yeah, they didn't. They didn't really find anybody, or at least I, I guess they were having a war yeah. around that time, huh? Yeah. So that's a possibility. So it disappeared, and another successful colony wasn't established until 1607. That's when mm-hmm. Jamestown was established. Wow. So, yeah, it was a good what twenty years. Yeah. Hmm. 85, 95. Yeah, yeah. It was a little over 20 years until Jamestown was successfully established. And Jamestown, you know, it had its problems too. But, yeah, that's the the missing first colony of Roanoke. Wow. Yeah. There, and I do have some information about, because there's still research. Like, they're, they're still doing archaeological digs to try and find these, uh, you know, figure out what happened. And so the latest information that I have in 2012, a group called the First Colony Foundation had some research carried out on a map drawn by Mr. John White himself. Remember, you guys, he's an artist. And they found two patches on the map that looked like it had been like, it's kind of like, not like white out, but it looks like it had been drawn over. And so they noticed this and it looked like under one of the patches, there was a fort, like a little fort. And so they figured out where it would have been nowadays and it would have been about 50 miles north at albemarle sound which i think is in birdie county but it's 50 miles north which is where john white Mm. thought that they may have gone oh 50 miles north so the first colony foundation went and they did some some field work in the area and they didn't really find anything while they were there but they did find some objects that could have dated back to the time of the first colony Uh, like metal objects and some pottery and stuff. So the organization announced in 2015 that the site was, quote, the probable location of a few members of the lost colony for a limited period of time, end quote. Wow. So according to the First Colony Foundation's website, they're still doing excavations at Site X, which is what they've kind of dubbed the little area. Yeah, they're they're still searching for things today. Mm, So we might have some answers soon. Yeah. So that's the very latest on the, the search. And... Chances are that these people, these settlers, probably split up into separate groups and different things probably happened to them. Because I bet you anything, it got cold outside, they're hungry, and they're like, listen, we're going to go. And they're like, I don't like that idea, we're going to go. And then they kind of, you know, dispersed accordingly. That would make sense. I mean, they got rid of their artist leader. (laughs) Well, they they didn't get rid of him. Well, he left. You're right. Yeah. He uh, he was like, listen, I'm going to go get us some, some food. And then he For never three came years, back. Man. Yeah, that's wild. Because they took his boat. They said, "Listen, listen, your boat has a greater They're purpose." Keeping Britain from being Catholic. So, anyways, <laughs> yeah. So that's uh, that's the lost colony at Roanoke, you guys. Mm. Neat stuff. I'm done. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's it's a fun story. It was really fun to research. Just it's, seriously. I just went off on so many tangents looking up colonial food. <laughs> and now I just want to, I just want to, I really want to learn how to make my own bread. As your ill pie. I'm telling you, man. Well. I want to learn yeah, how to make an You would like Townsend's. And uh, he goes to Louisville at one point and he, he meets this, this girl who makes, uh, she like churns her own butter. And she is the cutest woman on earth. And she makes her own butter it's great. How how old is she? Oh, when I said girl, I, I probably should have meant woman. She is she is a woman. Yeah, that's what I was yeah. gonna say. Does James have a crush on the butter making girl? Woman, yes, a little bit. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we need to go buy some butter. Yeah. I wonder if she sells Why? it. Because oh, from it'd be, her? Yeah, yeah. Try some like legit butter. I bet you I could turn my own butter. I feel like James is ready to charter. 
<clears throat> Charter know, a trip to it. <laughs> you know, that's a, a an exercise that they do at our daughter's daycares. They they make their own butter. Oh, that's awesome. Really? Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. I don't know if Gwen will get to do it because they just did it in the class and she's about to move up mm. to it. Oh, okay. We'll have to make our own butter here. Oh, it's something she hasn't done yet, but she's going to do. Yeah, she's that's going awesome. to okay. do. No wonder I didn't know. They make butter and they eat it on little Ritz crackers. That's so cute. <laughs> All right. James, you're going next, aren't yep. you? I, uh. Okay, what are you going to tell I, us about? I really couldn't make up my mind, so I've got like five vignettes. This is, uh, this is like campfire stories of mysterious disappearances. And uh, I'm going to start with one of the most interesting ones. Um, the disappearance of Bobby Dunbar. Um, which is, it's going to get interesting because it's really more like, it's, it's about two boys, not one. So uh, in uh, 1912, Robert Clarence, ha- uh, open quotes, Bobby, close quotes, Dunbar, uh, he was born in uh, Louisiana. And in uh, 1912, oh, sorry, I said he was born in 1912. He was born in 1908. And in 1912, when he was four years old, they went fishing at Swayze Lake. Uh, which is most famous for being hand dug by Patrick Swayze, um, but not just kidding. But uh, <laughs> they went they went fishing at Swayze Lake, and uh, at some point Bobby disappeared. So they searched for Bobby for eight months, eight flipping months. He's four years yeah, old, exactly. And hmm. they uh, they are not finding any luck. Well, one one day the authorities they find. Uh, this handyman named William Walters, and he's uh he's fixing some like pianos and stuff, and he he was traveling through Mississippi with a boy who happened to look like Bobby Dunbar. Uh, Walters claims that the boy's name was actually Charles Anderson, and that he was uh the the offspring of you know Julia Anderson and uh and his, uh, the father whose name is escaping me, but uh, here's the problem. Even though the man traveling with him claims that he's some other people's kids, which is kind of weird in and of itself, right? Like, sure, you can travel yeah. with this, this mm-hmm. handyman. But they were also very... He fixed his yeah. pianos. Well, they were very, very poor, the Andersons. And the Dunbars were not. So they take them to court, and the court's like, yeah, this is clearly, uh, this is clearly little Bobby Dunbar. So they give Bobby Dunbar to the Dunbars, right? So they raise him. He grows up and everything. Uh, and there's always c- contests about it. There's always, there's legal claims, especially from the family who, again, bear in mind, these Andersons claim that's their son. And because they were poor, the courts just like took the boy that they claim was their son uh, to, and gave him to the Dunbars. Well, later on oh. in life, he was genetically tested and he was not a Dunbar. He was, in fact, an Anderson. So that begs the question. This is the mysterious part. One, how in the world did two little boys end up going into such unusual circles in Louisiana to begin with in the early 20th century? Yeah. Um, and where's the real Bobby Dunbar? Uh, now, given his age and given this is Louisiana, uh, I mean, we're, we're, we're going all the way back to Roanoke. I'm guessing an alligator. Um, that being said, yeah. nobody really knows. But uh, the, the most interesting thing to me about it is, one, nobody ever found the real Bobby, and two, what a crooked, horrible thing to happen uh, just because, you know, the parents of this Anderson boy happened to be too poor to defend themselves. 
That's yeah. so sad. Oh, that is yeah. sad. And I got a few few oh. more stories. This one this one spooks me out. Uh, there's there's Michaela Briggs. Uh, Michaela Briggs was a sixth grade uh, honor student in Mesa, Arizona. She wanted to be a Disney animator when she grew up, but uh, in ni- 1999, when she was 11, <clears throat> and her younger sister was uh, nine, they went to uh, the ice cream truck with their bicycles. And uh, Kimber ran back to play something. Who knows? Uh, oh, that's right. It was cold outside. She went inside to uh, to warm up. And when she crossed the street and looked back to see if her sister was coming with her, bear in mind her older sister, you know, usually these go the other way around. She looks back and Michaela's not there. And she said the most disturbing thing about it, what really stuck out in her mind was uh, when she turned to see where her sister was, she was gone but the tire on her bike was still spinning. Ooh. So she just straight up. It's, just, it's almost like uh, somebody just grabbed her so fast and ran off so fast without any footfalls, knocked the bike over, and the wheels are still turning. Uh, now, that in and of itself is creepy. Uh, let's make it even creepier. The, uh, the next door neighbor, uh, uh, D. Blalock, he was convicted of beating and raping a neighbor. So. That doesn't sound like a good guy to live next to, but it gets creepier. No. Um, in 2018, that's right, last year, there was a, a stack of bills that a cop found as payment for Girl Scout cookies. Yes, Girl Scout cookies. So cops also like Girl Scout cookies. It's not just donuts, people. Um, but written on, <laughs> written on the, uh, this, this dollar was, my name is Michaela Biggs. I'm kidnapped from Mesa. I'm alive. That was found on a on a bill. Nobody knows on, on a, bill. a bill. So could, was it a prank when? from Mesa? Maybe, but this was found in 2018. Like I said, and she went missing in 1999. So regardless of whether it's hers, we'll probably never find out about whatever happened to Michaela Briggs. Biggs. Whew. Yeah, Ooh. spooky stuff, right? I got a spookier one. Spooky. This is the other spooky one. Valentine Sally, which, you know, the name alone, Christ. Um, In 1982, in Williams, Arizona, because apparently creepy things happen in Arizona, um, a body was found on Valentine's Day. Nobody knew who she was, and because it was Valentine's Day, instead of the usual Jane Doe, they called her Valentine Sally. Um, There was, uh, what what had happened was a public safety officer was looking for a blown-out tire, and during a car accident, and he just finds this body. Um, she had been suffocated or strangled. You know, the autopsy was inconclusive on that. Um, a few feet from the highway. Nobody had noticed her until the elements and animals had uh, really done a number on her over the course of a 10-day period. Oof. Well, yeah. Very little was also known. She had uh, blue eyes, pierced ears, a scar on her left foot and thigh. She was five foot four, 120 pounds, and one of her lower teeth was recently prepared for a root canal. Um, that never happened. Uh, so spooky stuff. But here's this is the this is the spooky reason why I chose this story. Um, a server and owner at the Monte Carlo truck stop in Ash Fork, Arizona, claimed that he saw her ten days prior. Bear in mind, she was found on Valentine's Day, and she had been out in the elements. For approximately 10 days. So that means that it's very likely this person had seen her the day that she 
was killed. Uh, this woman's name was Patty Wilkins, and she said that Sally was a teenager, probably late teens, like 17, and uh, that she didn't want to eat, but she wanted an aspirin because she had a toothache. And she was sitting, which also you know fits the bill with the root canal, she was sitting with an older man that looked like a father or uncle figure. And he seemed worried about her teeth, too. He wore a, a cowboy hat with peacock feathers on it. Now, that's kind of weird, right? Because you would think that whoever... It's distinct. It's distinct. And also, it's like, if if nobody knew who she was when they found her, what about this fella, right? Um, mm-hmm. Additionally, a, a student at Northern Arizona University said that he picked up a hitchhiker matching her uh, description February 2nd, that's two days prior to the server, near Cordes Junction. He claims that she was coming from Phoenix and worked Mm. as a dishwasher, but was having family problems. Today, she's buried in Williams Cemetery. People are still matching her DNA to find relatives. Nobody has come forward over the past 36 years. Spooky. Now, Mm. I'm going to get into... Yeah, exactly. Now I'm going to get into a spooky story because, you guys, I don't know how how else to say this. This is about a missing Hungarian vampire. Uh, Just let that sink in for a minute. Yeah. All right. So. How old is. uh, Right. Exactly. I need to know more. Yeah. Uh, This happened in 1916, incidentally. Um, First thing to know. There was a fella <laughs> named Bela Kish, and he was a Hungarian, and he was an occultist, uh, mostly astrology, but other things too. And uh, he joined uh, World War I as a soldier, as m- many Hungarians did in those days, and Austrians and Germans. But anyway, while he was a soldier, <laughs> uh, some, some police had heard uh, some stories about some missing people, and they decided to search his house. So bear in mind, he is... Uh, He's in the the front lines of World War One, and these cops are like, "Let's check this fella's house out," and they did, and they found some drums, metal drums, not the kind you play, and they opened them up like in Breaking Bad, and they found uh, about twenty four women, and all of them had oh puncture God. wounds on their yeah exactly, and all of them had puncture wounds on their necks and had they been drained of blood, so that's Ooh. not normal. So anyway, they're they're looking for this guy now. They're very very interested. So they uh, they found him in a Serbian hospital. So they're like, we got him. We're closing in. Well, somebody must have tipped Kish off, or maybe he used his vampire senses because uh, he did what what happens in all the movies. He took a dead soldier, put it in the bed, covered it with the blankets, and when they showed up, they're like, we got you, Kish, and they they pull it down and. He's not there. It's another fellow He's who's dead. There. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, exactly. So four years later, they're still looking for this guy, and they find out about a guy named Hoffman, which incidentally they they had actually found letters in his house, and he'd been using that as an alias to some of the women that he had, you know, drank their blood, I guess. So they're like, something's up. And they also find out that he had bragged to a, another soldier in the French Foreign Legion, which, by the way, is known for the... The scariest dudes even now. Like, if you're in the French Foreign Legion, uh, you are a, a, a hardcore person. So anyway, he's telling this this fellow Foreign Legionnaire about how good he is at strangling people. <laughs> so uh, so uh, they're closing in again. They're like, we know where he is. He's going by Hoffman now. And he vanishes again. Just bloop. 
1932, bear in mind, this is quite a ways later. This is like 16 years later. There's rumor that there's a fella named Kish working as a janitor. So then they, they start closing it again, and he even disappears again for the last time. So that nobody knows where this Hungarian vampire went or where he's gone or if he's still around drinking people's blood. Maybe he's responsible for the other missing people I mentioned. <laughs> Freaky stuff. And it makes me wonder. Th- this is where I'm going to get a little paranormal, you guys. I was talking to someone about predators not too long ago, like just normal nature predators, not like creepy predators. And one of the things... Oh, I thought you were talking about right, the predator. Of course. <laughs> to turn invisible uh, well, trees. Anyway, one of the things that uh, I said, and I, I creeped myself out the minute I said it, because they said, you know, it's a good thing there's no predators that specialize in people. And I said, well, predators rely on their prey not knowing about them. If there was a predator that specialized in humans, we wouldn't know. And it just kind of, once I said it, I was like, oh, man, what if, what if some of these mis- disappearing people... It's because something has evolved to be smarter and better than us because it preys on us. The same way that, you know, ants don't know about antlions for a reason. What if what if there's something that preys on us? Maybe that's where all these vampire stories come from. Anyway, total speculation, but it's <laughs> You mean Okay. You mean like a fifth dimensional being? Uh, maybe. Like Bigfoot. I was thinking more like something that evolved alongside humans like Covergent. So it looks like us and acts like us. But they're not like us. You know, you pass them on the street, and but they, they need us to I live. I will not be sleeping <laughs> again tonight. So that's that's all my spooky Midnight Society stories. Alex, let's hear about Amelia Bedelia. <laughs> Amelia Bedelia. Uh, yeah, so I've got probably one of mo- the most famous disappearances of all time. Amelia Earhart. And I don't know if y'all knew this, but... I didn't. There was another individual with her that went oh, missing. Yeah. yeah. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Yeah. That was something that I was completely unaware of. Noonan. Nobody talks mm-hmm. about them uh, because they're not Amelia no. Earhart. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much right. I mean, but rightfully so. I mean, you know, she's this girl from Kansas that becomes one of the most influential feminist icons through her various flying and piloting exploits. And did you know, I didn't know a lot of these facts, so I, you know, it's kind of like when we did the uh, Tulpa episode, I got really fascinated with Amelia Earhart, just mm-hmm. all the things she's done on top of why what happened when she went missing, but did you all know that she was the first woman to be flown over the Atlantic Ocean? No, uh-huh. I didn't yeah, actually. She, she actually flew with somebody the first time, and it was because someone sense. else chickened out, and they got her instead. Hmm. And then, you know, she went on to do it by herself without anybody in the plane with her. Yeah. She piloted it, as everybody knows. She was the first woman to fly coast to coast nonstop over the U.S. Uh, and then she she crushed a whole bunch of other records. I mean, she, she was also the, the first person to fly over the Atlantic twice. Fly the Atlantic twice, sorry. So the first person to pilot themselves over the Atlantic twice. She's pretty amazing. Yeah. I mean, I mean, she's really talented. She's also a bit of a daredevil, which is what I think caught up with her at the end of her big finale. But so during her big finale in 1937, she went missing. Mm-hmm. And this was during her attempt to do the around the world trip. So what she was going to do was, and forgive me if I'm maybe a little off, but 
I'm not sure if she was 40 days into this trip or she the trip was supposed to take 40 days. Okay. Okay. Because each tank of fuel had 20 hours worth of gas. And then she also goes on to make 20 stops is the trip. So I guess if I did the math right now, I could give you the right answer. Um, <laughs> so in this trip, it's going around the globe. It's going around the equator. And she decides that even that's not enough of a challenge. So she creates a zigzag pattern the entire way. Mm-hmm. And, she, and a lot of the trip is island hopping, especially in the area around Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Between Hawaii, Japan, there's a lot of island hopping. And so if that's not a big enough, I guess, task, she also gets a really bad omen. Did you all know that she her first takeoff for this resulted in her crashing immediately? No. Oh. Yeah, so, you know, there's a little, some people say different things about what caused it, but a reporter on the scene claims that he saw the tire blow on the front before, during takeoff, and it crashed the plane, and just kind of, like, you know, the propellers were hitting the ground, everything's kind of wrecked. So, they had to go back through, repair everything before she decided, before she launched again. So, you know, pretty bad omen. Yeah. You... She didn't. She didn't flub the takeoff. Well, at least that's not what it sounds like. It sounds like equipment There's malfunction. Something wrong with the plane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So after the repair, she gave the trip a second go, and you kind of know how it went. Yeah. She went missing near Howland Island, which is in the middle of nowhere, Pacific Ocean. The closest thing that anybody would know that it's to is Hawaii. Okay. Uh, and it, it's a pretty good distance away from Japan and Australia. Like it's it's a long ways away, so this this is during her island hopping portion of the trip, and so the standard theory, which a lot of people subscribed to, I guess, or subscribe to, uh, is you know they <laughs> really creative naming is the crash and sink theory. Well, I bet you all can imagine what this one entails. <laughs> yeah, she's right. over the ocean. Right, she's over the ocean, uh, but the most interesting thing about this story and this is kind of like the Bermuda Trial is she's heading towards Howland Island and at one point she even gets a I guess a signal through uh, through limited radio transmissions to Howland Island. Hmm. They say that they hear her. She says a couple things panicked indicating that she's low on fuel, that she doesn't see anything and then no more no more anything. no, No more transmissions at all. And, you know, this is before nav- modern navigational techniques. This is before World War II. So, she's, I mean, she's having to go off a lot of primitive things. And, frankly, it's its insane that pilots were able to do this back then. But, essentially, she crashes into the water, never to be heard from again. No wreckage was ever recovered. At least that's what this theory says. And... The plane, if it went down where they think it did near Highland Island, then it's about 18,000 feet deep. So it's a little deep. It's a little deep. But no one knows where it went. So who knows? There is a guy who adamantly claims that he has a piece of the plane. Uh, He's had a lot of people look at it examine it, compare it to pictures of her plane, which was the Electra that she had made by uh, Lockheed Martin actually made the plane for her. 
Oh, weird. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was a custom plane made to have fuel tanks that would last 20 hours. <sighs> and it, he claims to have this thing, and people have examined this piece that he has. And they say that it, and he, he says, because people have verified some of it, but that this, there's a 99% chance that this is a part of the plane. There's no way to know for a hundred percent sure. Really, this guy—he's kind of been debunked a couple of times, but he's also had some people verify this piece of the plane because like, they look at the riveting holes. I mean, they're—they're they're saying that you know this is a one-of-a-kind plane, and so therefore it is really a fingerprint, just like looking at it. Yeah, it's—it's a, it's a completely unique machine. Uh, but he's such a, like a a figure in terms of trying to prove this Amelia Earhart thing that. He's been debunked a lot, so I don't know how much credibility I really want to give to him. Uh, but mm. here's a here's a theory I didn't know about. It's called the Gardner Island theory. Have you all heard of this one? This one is not the Japan theory. I think some of you are thinking of. No, I have not. Okay, so Gardner Island is this little island very far south of Helen Island, and the theory is if she was not able to find Helen Island when she thought she could, she would have gone south in an effort to find another island. Because there's there's a bunch of small places to land down there. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And so, essentially, they head south. And based on that radio transmission earlier, and the course that she was likely on, they settled on this island, Gardner Island. It had to be the most likely place that she would be able to reach. And a lot of people seem to think that this is also a very likely place she landed. But... The island has been surveyed, settled, and examined in the two years after she disappeared. So they would have found something. So, well, they did. Oh. (laughs) One of the people that had settled there found a skull. And that person took the skull and someone was like, show me where you found this. And they dug up a body. And that skeleton was examined. Bum, bum, bum. And in 1940, they determined that it was a male. (laughs) (laughs) And that skeleton was promptly lost. Promptly lost? Right after they made these determinations and measurements, the skeleton was lost. Could it have been new? That's weird. You know, I thought that, but the skeleton was too small to be a Noonan. Okay. Uh, Yeah, the the size... A lot of the measurements were similar to Earhart, what what her stuff would have been, but it was not. They determined it was a man. Well, that was until 1998, at least. Did they find it? No, they never found the skeleton. But in 1998, an American anthropologist (laughs) group takes a look at that data again, because the data is still around. The skeleton is not, and they determine a tall white female. So they're... Well, I bet you anything, the scientific practices in the 40s were not quite as thorough. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too. But in 2015, another study concluded that (laughs) they were actually right in 1940. (laughs) Good lord. Goodness. Then, in 2018, the study said, eh, yeah, that 1941 was maybe right, but we're not 100% sure. So... Who the hell knows? <laughs> All right. Thanks for pulling me yeah. along on that. Yeah. So nobody knows on that one. Okay. Phew. Total roller coaster. Yeah. yeah. But there, there is another interesting 
aspect of Garner Island. So there was a picture taken back in 1937. And in the background of the picture, near a reef, there is this, it looks like a metallic thing jutting out of the water. This is in the background of a picture. And they say that, you know, some people have like zoomed in on it, you know, enhance, enhance. (laughs) And a lot of people think that it looks like a piece of the plane. And when was this picture taken? 1937, the same year she went missing. Okay. And uh, this picture was discovered in 2012. Where where was it since since it was taken? I guess I don't know. Someone's someone's drawer, Someone grandma, sitting on great grandma's drawer. I guess I don't know. <laughs> but essentially, in 2012, Wait. they came across this picture, and someone noticed. You know, it's at Garner Island. They and they noticed there's something odd, and I think it was the bottom left hand corner of the picture, and it was like something metallic. And so since then, this area has been really heavily investigated, but the results are inconclusive. Uh, You know, they've gone through with searching for anything metal, anything like that. But, you know, that was was 80 years ago. Who knows where this thing could be by now? And some people are chalking it up to being just a coral ridge jutting out of the water. Okay. But people really do believe that this thing looks like a metallic piece of the plane. I believe they were saying that it looked almost like the uh, the piece of the plane where the the wheels attach and it goes and it extends out of the bottom of the plane. Yeah, that's what they're saying. I think I know nothing about planes, so I would have no idea. Yes, it was metal. That is all I know. But this is the one that I heard about a year ago. I never heard before. This is the Japanese capture theory. I heard about mm. this on the Today Show. I think this one's really interesting. Uh, and there's several aspects of the Japanese capture theory. So I guess the most recent one, I'm going to dive in to the one I was going to say for last, but the most recent one is a picture that surfaced recently of two individuals in the background of a photo taken in Marshall Island. And it, it looks like Amelia Earhart and Noonan are in the background of the photo. <laughs> well, the problem with the photo is that it was taken two years before Amelia Earhart made her journey. Mm. She went through a wormhole. It's very (laughs) possible. Very possible. You know, isn't there a Bermuda Triangle? Then isn't there like another one? What's it called? Exactly, yeah. What were those called? The 13 Diabolical Intersections or something like that? Yeah. Yeah, so who knows? But maybe she did go through a wormhole. Yeah. But... There's some other interesting theories that maybe have some more credibility because maybe this, there's some possible witnesses. So if Earhart missed her destination and she just kind of kept trucking in that general direction, if if she missed Howland Island, she would have landed in a Japan territory that they acquired after World War One. And the area that they landed in, is it's a little up for debate. There's two locations. Both of them have witnesses. So... Yeah. So who's correct and who isn't, yeah, or so are either lying? of them correct? So essentially, Amelia and Noonan landed there, or possibly shot down. Hmm. You know, I could see them. Or. You know, you fly over a military. Yeah, we weren't area, exactly on is... the best of terms with Japan at the time. <laughs> right, right. I mean, this is this is in the shadow of uh, <laughs> World War Two is looming. Not yeah. too long. Not too long in the future. Um, and so it's possible they were shot down because both of these places did have military bases. Mm-hmm. So the first place is called Saipan. And 
the rumor there is that they were shot down or crashed and were thrown into a prison and then were executed. The most interesting thing about this is that there was a witness to it that on a 90s episode of Unsolved Mysteries laid out her claims and says that she witnessed Amelia Earhart be executed on Saipan. Ooh. Yeah. She saw it happen? Yeah, she said she saw it happen. Well, then what's the other person say? Well, the other one is a sighting that was reported to occur on the Marshall Islands, and that's where that picture was taken. Mm-hmm. But this is this is this is stories before this picture evidence surfaced. And essentially, natives recall seeing Amelia, and a U.S. sergeant recalls coming upon a very odd grave. And this is right. This is right after the crash or disappearance. And you know. There's no no bones or anything have been found since, and there's no evidence that there's been a body or anything like that. But there there are people saying they saw her, and a U.S. sergeant even recalls finding like a very odd grave in the middle of nowhere. Mm. Spooky. Amelia Earhart. Yeah, yeah. Where is she? Yeah. But you know, there's a lot of other theories that include her being a spy for FDR. I can believe that. Because because she was she was really good friends with uh, what's the first lady? Oh, um, oh shoot, man! Um, I know she I know she like buddied up with Hoover too. I know. Um, oh man, I cannot think of her flipping name. Yeah, I'm blanking ah. on it. But but she was best buds with uh, one of the first ladies. Is I can't. Eleanor? That is gonna drive me, yeah. Eleanor. Yeah, Eleanor. Yeah. Eleanor. Eleanor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she was good friends with Eleanor Roosevelt. So it's not too much of a stretch, maybe, to think that she's a spy. Uh, another theory is that she maybe just took the Tupac Elvis route and changed her name, changed her name, and found a whole new life. Now, the reason <laughs> that one is ludicrous is because Amelia, she is, she definitely loved the fame. Yeah. So why would she run? Yeah, that off seems a little out. Change her name. Maybe, maybe <laughs> behind closed doors, she hated it. Um, but if you read her story, I mean, she really pursued this thing. This mm. was all her. It was her dream. Yeah, this was all her. And this was her big final hurrah because, you know, everything was being done. The world was being conquered. Everyone had seen everything. There wasn't anything that hadn't been done except for this. Mm. And so this was her big finale. So I don't know. I mean, she already had one botched attempt. Yeah. Uh, last year they made a uh, a Barbie after her. Yeah, yeah. It comes with a little uh, hermit oh, really? crab accessory, like the ones that ate her. <laughs> James. Oh, James. yeah. No, they really did make a, a Amelia Barbie. I was just lying about the hermit crab part. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Amelia's family does believe that something happened to her with the Japanese. Ah. Yeah. Most of her family members seem to believe that something happened with Japan. Yeah, and I mean, they probably think, like, you know, she, she, and she could do it. She could fly around the world. Yeah. So I think, I think that if anything, the family would think she didn't crash. There's no way. Yeah, I mean, you know, I would, de- if I, but to be fair, if I was a family member, I'd be like, yeah, my, my family member didn't just go miss their landing zone. Right. Yeah. They definitely, someone else yeah. took them out. Yeah, there was an intervention. But yeah, that, that's a that wasn't a good time to be around Japan. Now things hadn't soured completely, mm. but 
it was. It got uh, worse, but <laughs> it definitely got worse. All right. But yeah, so Amelia Amelia Earhart. Earhart. and you know they still might find out something eventually, but probably. probably not. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. All right. Well, that's. Do you guys have anything you want to add to the mysterious disappearances combo? Did you? Uh, did you ever think of something that you found in the trash? No, you know, I I, kind of, I started thinking about people going missing, and uh, now I'm just freaked out again. Yeah. People go missing all the time. So, all right, guys, that was, I mean, that was creepy, and I'm not going to sleep again tonight, but <laughs> are, are you guys ready to draw our episode for next week? Oh, yeah. I have one to add. I got one to add real quick. Someone on Twitter sent me a thing. I got to add it. Oh, yeah. Don't we have well, a Twitter we- story? Okay, never mind. Oh, yeah, yeah, no. Yeah. Oh, we've got, yeah. Yeah, we've got a story um, from oh, one of I our listeners. Oh, story. Are you guys ready for this? And this doesn't really have to pertain to missing people, but it kind of has to do with our episode about the Mandela effect. Mm. We got, we had my friend, my, my dear good friend, Caitlin, sent us in a story about her own Mandela effect, I guess, incident. And it has to do with our favorite Mandela effect, Shazam, the story of Shazam. And Caitlin believes in her heart and knows that Shazam was real, just like all three of us, because she, this is, this is what she sent me, okay? Are you ready? And this is Caitlin, quote, okay, I did gymnastics pretty seriously as a young kid, and through that, met Sinbad's daughter, who was slightly older than me and way better at gymnastics than I was. Whoa. I remember... My mom was like, that is Sinbad's daughter. And I was like, who is Sinbad? She was like, he's the guy in Shazam and Good Burger. And I thought, oh. She's like, I know who he is. And then uh, Sinbad came to a meet that they had. And I said, she said to him, by the way, I loved Good Burger. And he said, not Shazam? Oh. I was like, well, yeah, that too. But my brother loves that one more. And then Shazam, or and then Sinbad was like, great. And he put his hand on her shoulder. Also, as Caitlin says, ask anyone. I have ridiculously good memory. Like, I remember crap people were wearing on, like, the second week of school in the third grade. So you can trust me. Hashtag Team Shazam with Sinbad is real. Wow. End quote. That is a good story. So, yeah, Caitlin says that per Sinbad, it happened. So... And Caitlin, I ask, it's funny because I ask Caitlin, if you have such good memory, what was I wearing on the first day of seventh grade? And she remembered what I was wearing. That's bizarre. She described to me what I was wearing. And the, yeah, the funny thing is that I was wearing a red t-shirt with a Mandela type um, design Mandela, on the front right? of my t-shirt. Yeah, okay. Mandela. Yeah, Mandela. I was, like, I was, I was going to be freaked out if it, was, <laughs> I if was, it was. I was like, what's a Mandela? Yeah, I was thinking, I was like, you wore a Mandela shirt? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. You were a very too. political no, child. No, Mandela. <laughs> yes, I was. <laughs> oh, so, wow. That's a cool story, yeah, though. That's that is uh, a really cool story. Yeah. So, Caitlin, thank you for sending that in to us. Listeners, if you guys have any, uh, any stories that you have. Uh, anything really, anything that's strange that you want us to read or talk about on the show, send them in to us. You can email them to us at 13thfloorpodcast at gmail.com. All right, Alex, are you ready to pick up I'm ready. I've, I've added the one that we received on Twitter. And I've got more from Caitlin, which we'll add, we'll add later. But stir it around. 
Stir it. And pick one out of the pot. All right. What are we going to talk about next week? I had a feeling this is what we we talk about. Ooh. All right. We are going to be talking about food conspiracies. What are you guys eating out there? Which is very, it's very. Is um, the government using corn to control your mind? Probably. (laughs) Yeah. Probably are. (laughs) Or is the government holding back all this beautiful ambergris? (laughs) (laughs) Um, we're going to talk about it next week on the 13th floor podcast. Yeah. So, uh, you know, pay attention to what you're eating and, uh, I guess Alex, tell them who did our music. All right. Yeah. Our music is a signal by Grant Cook. You can find this music on Spotify, Amazon music, YouTube music, any place you can find music. You can find his music. (laughs) So music and music and music. You can find his music. He's great. Okay. Is that it, you guys? Are we well, ready? Hey, we didn't do our social media. I already did them. Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah, were you listening On the to count me? Of no, three. I was trying to. I was trying to get. The, I was trying to get the thing set up. I was trying to get the actual our Twitter thing set up. And all right, well, we welcome everybody. On the count of three, you guys. One, two, three. Keep, Keep it strange. Adios, BRB. Let's go get some toast.